Good morning and welcome to Forging the Falcons on Monday morning. Yes, we are going to be here every Monday morning for the foreseeable future as we are now into football season. So 845 Eastern on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Scott Kennedy and on Facebook uh, on Atlanta Falcons on, on all Falcons. So I'll drop the links and all that at the end. They'll be in the in the description. Want to thank you for joining me and hit that like and share. Invite more people to come in. On your way to work, just getting into work, making your coffee, just getting out of bed, whatever, uh, we would love for you to join us. Nick Kendall, my co-host, will be with us momentarily. On the Forging the Falcons show, I'm going to take the first few minutes. I'm in Atlanta, uh, watch the games, all that type of stuff. So does Nick, but uh, I will take the first 15 minutes or so to answer your questions and uh, give some of my early thoughts for Nick comes in and then I can start grilling him. I uh, want to say hello to some folks in the chat real quick, including Kenneth Booker. Kenny coming in, KB82 on YouTube. Has a, a another football question about uh, Drew Locke and the Seattle Seahawks and the fumble that helped set up the Pittsburgh Steelers game-winning drive, Kenny Pickett's game-winning drive uh, in, uh, in their preseason game. He says, quick question on the Locke blindside fumble sack. Is it Locke's fault he didn't change his protection or climb the pocket, or does that happen in 90% of the QBs with the, with the edge coming untouched? Um, Kenny, this was one of the things that we talked about a lot last year, as far as not knowing what happens pre-snap, the difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, you know, as far as the production goes, yeah, Drew's got a better arm, but how many times does Teddy get them out of trouble pre-snap that Drew just doesn't? That was one of the things that's like, we, we don't know. Um, and that's a big part of playing quarterback is getting people setting the protections and all this type of thing. So that's part of his job to see that it's also part of the job of the offensive line. So if you get a blindside sack like that, there's multiple issues uh, that, that, that break down. There should be plenty of checks and balances in there. Should he see that guy and recognize it and adjust his coverage in theory? Yes, he should. Is that one of his strengths? Probably not. That is probably one of the reasons why he has struggled mightily is we don't know what he does pre-snap or or this this stuff he has pre-snap but the early returns haven't been uh been good not even the early returns he's in his fourth year kb you know kenny he's in his fourth year it's never been good uh shane Sargent coming in getting packed to the falcons saying uh desmond ritter's ability to go through region make quick decisions was the most impressive part of his performance for me Rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati drafted in the third round, and I'm pretty sure he was the second quarterback taken. Um, in, in the third round, he was a steal. He was a steal. When Nick and I would do mocks, there were a lot of times when I would take Desmond Ritter with that first pick of the second round uh, for the Falcons. I'm like, I'm okay taking a quarterback in this spot. I don't want a quarterback at eight uh, because I didn't think there was one there, and it you know, looked like the rest of the NFL agreed with me. My question is if... The Steelers said, okay, we don't want Pickett, and we're not taking a quarterback at all. How far would Kenny Pickett have fallen? Because it was another 50 picks before another, uh, not maybe not quite 50, but it was a third round before another quarterback was taken. So no court, only one quarterback in the first and second round. If they hadn't taken a quarterback, how far would they have gone? To be able to get Desmond Ritter in the third was great value, without a doubt. Uh, the tools that he's got, um, the character that he shows – and, you know, I was just watching the last drive again. I was, I was re-watching the game this morning in the, uh, in the first half. And, you know, you hear speed numbers all the time. And, you know, it's, he's a 4 5 5 40 guy. Okay, what's that mean? It means 
in shorts, he covers the 40-yard dash, his first movement till he crosses the line in 4.55 seconds. All right, now let's put that on the football field. If he can do a, if he's in a seven-step drop and let's say he's 10 yards back and he takes off and runs and he covers 30 yards from the, the line of scrimmage in five seconds, he's in field goal range. You get the ball at the 25, all of a sudden a 30-yard gain is in the other side of the line. So you're running all verticals, and if he can run up the middle or you see you know, they're in, they're in man coverage and you get crossing routes and all of a sudden that lane opens up, he's picking up 20 yards in two, three seconds. Of you know, it's not off the clock, but you're talking five, six seconds off the clock. You're in field goal range automatically. So that speed is a is a factor that the Falcons haven't had in well since Mike Vick probably was the last time that we saw a real mobile quarterback in Atlanta. And um, I was also impressed with the uh, accuracy of the guys on the run too. So if you can run but you can't pass a new whole lot of good but when they were running the bootlegs it was it was Mariota and Ritter when they were running bootlegs specifically for Ritter to his left where you've got to tuck your shoulders and throw back across your body I actually liked that throw personally they say it's hard to do that but if I, I was left-handed if I'm rolling right I could I felt like I could actually torque my body more and get more into it than if I was running the same direction I, I actually liked that throw um, but you know, lefties are weird. So they, they, they say that also, but, uh, very impressed. Um, his first touchdown pass to Parker Hesse should have come two plays before on a beautiful rollout to the left, throwing with his right hand to Hesse in the corner of the end zone, right, went right through his hands. He picked him up cause he made a similar play to, uh, Allison and then was able to, to drop that, that little, uh, jump shot. Uh, to Hesse into the end zone for his first career touchdown pass. So, yes, very nice. That was definitely one of the goods. I titled this The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The Good, the quarterback play, very, very good. Uh, Marcus Mariota, first drive, took care of business, makes some good throws, uses his legs, um, and, again, all of it was very good. Joe Cannon coming in <clears throat> says we're early in the week. Good morning, Scott. Yes, we are, Joe. We will be twice a week at least as we start expanding because of uh, folks like you. Sorry, I've got something in my eye. Um, because of folks like you coming in, we've had a lot of fun doing this, and we like being here. And it's football season. We want to talk on. We want to take advantage and strike while the iron's hot and come in on Mondays, Monday mornings, and not just our typical Wednesday morning. So we'll be here probably 35, 40 minutes every Monday morning at 8.45 on YouTube and Facebook. And Joe asks, says, how did you feel about our guy Ritter? Um, I, I, again, I don't want to make this just about Ritter. He was definitely one of the good. I, I was very pleased with Marcus Mariota, too. And right now, this is Marcus Mariota's job. Uh, and he didn't do anything to lose that, but Ritter had you know a little bit more time. And considering it was his first start as a professional, he looked really good. Um, I went to the Senior Bowl, and Nick and I would talk, and I was like, I, I thought Desmond Ritter may have been the best quarterback there. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, that's strange. A couple guys, you know, really didn't like him, said he really struggled. I'm like, I, I don't know what they're watching. <laughs> he looked pretty good to me. <clears throat> so I was surprised that he was able to um, – I was surprised he fell in the third. Again, what, what, what are you looking for, okay? He's got size. You know, he's 6'3 and change. He's got – more than enough arm. I mean, he's got four, five, five wheels. 
He won about you know, 40, 50 games while he was at Cincinnati, who was playing a good schedule. You know, this wasn't necessarily, and, and who cares, you know, where'd Josh Allen come from? Where'd Trey Lance come from? You know, those guys got drafted high. So again, getting him in the third was very, very good value. <clears throat> Luke Wright, good morning, coming in on YouTube. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you being here. Uh, let me grab a sip of coffee real quick. And speaking of which, actually, I want to get to this early. Uh, I'm going to share my screen here once I get the right. I've got all kinds of stats and stuff up. I'm going to share my screen here because we had a listener, Nick and I, uh, who uh, his name's Patrick, and he works with the Lion Coffee, and it's just lioncoffee.com. This isn't a paid ad. This is just a thank you to a listener who did us a solid. Um, Patrick said, hey, who wants some coffee? I'm like, well, hell, I'll take some coffee. Well, he went above and beyond, and he sent us a care package full of about he had two two-pound bags in there, so four pounds, and then he had like seven separate of these bags right here, one of each of these of Lion Coffee. Now, the first one I've dug into, uh, I'm not a huge fan of French roast because the only French roast I've had is Starbucks, and frankly, Starbucks isn't great coffee. It's just very consistent, and it's super high loaded with caffeine. That's why they're so popular. But I had my in-laws were coming in town, and I know they do like it, the French roast. So I was like, you know what? I'll make this one up first. I made it up and it was really good. So I can't wait to dig into some of these, but check out our friend of the show, um, lioncoffee.com and, and do him a solid if you want to order some and try some because he did us a solid and he's kept us in coffee. And, and again, thank you again, Patrick. That was so awesome. Uh, again, not a paid ad, uh, but just a, a thank you to somebody that was that, that did us a favor. Um, anyway, let's get back to, uh, to, to some of the good. One of the players that I think I've been as critical of anyone is right tackle Caleb McGarry. Um, throwing out the B word on him, you know, he was a first round pick as a, uh, you know, and, and he's been poor. Uh, the bust word, I've, I've used it several times. Caleb McGarry wasn't just serviceable in the first drive of the game. He was good. He was really good. Um, you start wondering, you're shaking your head. You're like, you know, I was kind of hoping Jermaine Afridi might push him a little more. Well, after watching the first game, the first preseason game, it's pretty obvious to me why Caleb McGarry has held him off because he's better. He's he looks much better. Chris Lindstrom a couple weeks ago said that you know I'm, I'm really proud of the way he's worked. He looks great, and and that's a that's a teammate. So you're not really sure. Well, I'm going to listen to Chris Lindstrom when he says stuff like that now because he he was right. Caleb McGarry looked great. A part of it makes me mad because it's like, all right, you've had three years to get into this kind of shape and do this kind of work. Why did you wait this long? Uh, but, you know, again, for his sake, his option did not get picked up. So he is a free agent after this season. He could absolutely be playing for a $40, $50 million guaranteed contract. He's 27 years old, I think. Uh, 26, 27 years old. Right tackle, 6'7". Playing like that, you could he could get himself eight to ten to twelve million dollars a year, three four seasons with a good chunk of that guaranteed. So, if he does that, if he plays the way he did against the Detroit Lions, and if he's able to replicate those performances consistently throughout the course of the year, the right tackle problem, and it was a problem, it's been a problem. The right tackle problem's been solved. I am very pleased with how Caleb McGarry. Let me let me hear in the chat what you guys think. Uh, about what you thought, but that was something I was paying very close attention to was that spot in left guard. I wanted to see Elijah Wilkinson because Elijah Wilkinson uh, moving in for Mayfield, the two 
big, gaping, giant holes on the offensive line, and you can't have two of those. You can help cover for one, but you can't have two of those. Uh, were Jalen Mayfield at left guard and right tackle Caleb McGarry. Caleb McGarry was good. He was real good. Um, I believe I said hello to Luke Wright. I want to say hello to Keith Robbins coming in on Facebook as well. And Terry coming in um, with the uh, the flying bird. Those look like eagles. You know, I'm, I'm going to say those look like falcons to me. Those definitely look like falcons. Terry, let me know what you think in the chat. I think uh, you had to be pleased, um, pleased with what you saw. Uh, some of the other good, let's see, some of the other good we saw in there. Um, how about rookie Arnold Ebichetti? Um, the, the rookie edge, second round pick. And y'all have heard me say enough that the edge position was going to get better sheerly by default. And well, Scott, why do you say that? Because it couldn't get any worse. Kind of like left guard. It couldn't get any worse than it was last year. Jalen Mayfield would either be better or be gone because he was the worst blocking offensive lineman, period, in the NFL last year. You you can't get any worse than that. You are going to get better. And again, I've said it a zillion times. I don't blame him for that. He was put in a position he wasn't ready to play in. That's the Falcons' fault. That's the that's the that's the the administration past and prior, uh, you know, current and prior for being in a situation where they had to use a 21 year old rookie with 14 career college starts at right tackle to have to use him at left guard. I don't blame Jalen Mayfield for that. But it, it had to get better, and it is. So Wilkinson was uh, was better. The edge position, Stephen Means, God bless him, was almost impossibly unproductive with one sack and I think maybe two quarterback pressures and 14 starts. That's – actually, I don't think he had a sack. Uh, I have to look it up. Either way, it was more, one more than one. And it was unbel- it was unreal that you could – be that poorly in production it's it's almost again i call it statistically impossible someone over the course of 14 starts should blow an assignment uh you know going back to the top of the show um when kenny says you know the guy comes in off the edge coming off the edge untouched you know that should happen at least once over 14 starts um he was um so it was gonna get better but arnold ebichetti wasn't just you know, an improvement on means. He was genuinely good when he was out there. 6'3", 255 pounds, active, strong, uh, very pleased with, with Arnold Ebichetti. So I would I would absolutely put him uh, in the good unit as well. Now, you could tell right away, right in the opening kickoff, that this was going to be a very different preseason for the Atlanta Falcons. And why do I say that? You know, made the tackle on the opening kickoff starting edge rusher Lorenzo Carter. Uh, the Falcons didn't play any of their starters last year. Uh, Kyle Pitts came in, wasn't listed as a starter, but we all knew he was going to be a starter in the preseason. Uh, he, I think he had one, one catch, one series, and then he was done. And that was about it. We didn't see any of the starting offensive line. We didn't see any of the quarterbacks, any of the defensive line. We saw none of that. The starting edge rusher was lined up in special teams to start that game. So it was going to be a very different different type of preseason. And then on the first series, we see Marcus Mariota break contain and go headfirst into, uh, you know, trying to – going up the right side uh, and, and cutting back in and trying to gain extra yards. It was – these guys are a little mad. They, they, they've got something to prove 
for sure. Uh, and speaking of something to prove, my co-host, Nick Kendall, is up and Adam, and I want to bring in Nick. Nick, how are you doing, my friend? Welcome in. It's uh, right on the hour. How are you doing so far today? I am doing well. I just had my first sip of coffee, so uh, it's slowly but surely uh, getting the day started. I uh, had a busy, busy weekend, uh, doing a lot of house stuff and uh, some difficult hikes and uh, watching some football. So it's one of the best times of year. There's not enough hours in the day uh, to do everything that I need to and want to do. But uh, you know what? That's OK. I've, I've thought of that, too. I'm like, uh, I'm getting uh, like you start doing all the stuff I want to do. I'm like, well, hell, it's like bedtime again already. Well, I guess yep. I'll have to start start working at it. And um Wanted to uh, wanted to kind of get your impressions. First off, I want to say Terry coming in with some stars. So Terry, hey. thank you, man. Appreciate it coming in with some stars. Uh, yes, we do have stars available on Facebook now. So if you're watching on Facebook and kind of want to give us a give us a little tip, other than don't eat yellow snow, uh, there's a way you can help support the show, like Terry just did, uh, coming in with the stars on the Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons page. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Um, he had a comment also. He says. Um, Let's see. I forgot who we were talking about, though. He looked damn good. It's him having to prove. I think it was Mariota here with this new regime. He knows he's not safe because of the fifth year option. This was McGarry. So this was Caleb McGarry. Uh, you know, he's not safe with a fifth year option. He's going to light it up this year. I think his back against the wall and he'll be OK. So, uh, Nick, we were talking. I titled it The Good, the Bad and the Ugly. And um, one of the very goods, not just, OK, he's gotten better, but Caleb McGarry in his first series and while he was out there was genuinely good really yeah. good uh and i consider that a very very positive sign for this atlanta falcons team yeah he did impress me um he, he contract year right always had the tools first round pick and uh that's one of the things about offensive linemen uh, especially offensive tackles typically it can take uh i think there's a study done that uh most offensive tackles to reach the or overcome the learning curve from college to the nfl three to four years. Um, and we are b bumping up against that with uh, Caleb McGarry now also probably doesn't hurt that he is entering a contract season, but, uh, I know that we've had a little bit, I mean, we've definitely been harsh on McGarry, especially given the first round pedigree and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've disagreed a bit about his level of play this season and what it could, what it would take to get a good contract from him or even a franchise tag. But if he plays well this season and um, there's no reason, uh, given how hard it is to find a tackle and also given where the Falcons roster is, you know, with other players that you're not going to have to worry about the tag or whatnot. No reason that you wouldn't want to bring him back. No reason to make extra holes. Yeah, I think you would want to. and You'd definitely want to try. Now, this is the hard part for me. It's like, I don't want to have to use, you want him to be good, but it's like, I don't want to have to use more of my salary cap for guys I already have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this is this guy going to make me better in 2023 than he was in 2022? No. Well, man, then I don't want to pay him, uh, you know, go from 2 million to 10 million. That that's uh, but no, I, I get it. Um, I don't. But as far as the tag goes, I don't I can't see you ever want to franchise tag franchise tag him as a right tackle. Um, you know, that puts him up into left tackle yeah. top five guys, which is going to be. Not for offensive line. Um, the the tag is a big benefit. Um, it's really negative for the tackles because it's just the offensive line. Um, it's but not it's the highest, the highest, the five highest, the average of the highest oh, paid five yeah. offensive linemen, which is all left tackles. All tackles. Yeah, you're right. So it's a really, it's you so, really so never so want to use really harsh offensive line. on guard centers and right yes. tackles because yeah. it it puts them across with the left tackle money. So yep, um, you're not going to tag them. But the, again. 
you could see him playing his way into a three or 40, you know, $40 million contract with $30 million guaranteed. Either way, yeah. short sample size. He's flashed before. We need to see con- some consistency from Kayla McGarry. But I was very pleased with what I saw with Kayla McGarry. Rusty Harness coming in on Facebook. Good morning, Rusty. So it's not like the Dean Peace interview where he mentioned he shut down the running game to 3.1 a carry after the first drive. He did something the Falcons haven't done in the past, adjusted the game. He, I love what Peace is bringing. Um, that's part of it. The other part of it is the Lions did something too. They changed out their entire offense. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we've talked about some of the good. Some of the good, uh, Arnold Ebiketti, Caleb McGarry, both quarterback play, very good. The bad, some of the bad for me, uh, was still the interior defensive line play in the first yeah. series, especially. Um, the the uh, the Lions were able to run right up the gut. Uh, right up the gut on the Falcons. And that was scary. I was was looking at the guys and I hate these script numbers because it's hard to tell the difference between a one and a seven. I'm like, was that Richie Grant? No, that wasn't Richie Grant. Was that, was that Grady Jarrett? No, that wasn't great. Yes, it was Grady Jarrett. uh, Who's 97 and 27. Uh, Anthony Rush wasn't really good in the middle of the line. And frankly, Grady Jarrett wasn't either. Um, Grady Jarrett was getting blocked one-on-one in that spot, which shouldn't be happening for him. He needs to be doing better than he did. And, and I expect that he will, again, first preseason. But if I was going to say the bad, the bad for me was still the run defense when your ones were out there. Yeah. Uh, the Lions were able, and the Lions, Lions aren't the best running game they're going to face. And they were still able to run at will early rusty, which which I which scares me a little bit. Yeah, and on that big uh, the touchdown, I think, from DeAndre Swift, uh, that was a – you mentioned a positive here with Arnold Ebiketti, but one of the big things with Arnold Ebiketti was the run defense is sometimes a little lacking, and he crashed way too hard, um, giving up contain, which led DeAndre Smith to crash outside. You're going to – and the linebacker had a chance to make a play they didn't. Falcons weren't playing a lot of their starting linebackers. That might help a lot as well, uh, or at least projected uh, starting linebackers. But uh, you're right. I thought the Falcons' defense in that first series was – Concerning, I will push back a little bit about the on paper. Um, the Lions' offensive line should be pretty darn good this season. They've really, yeah, no, I just mean that they're not the best. That's not the best rushing attack they're gonna yeah. see. I mean, let's they say, might be pretty good this year, though, is yeah. I guess what I'm getting at. Because I mean, you have three or four first round picks on that offensive line, uh, so should that's that's a positive for the Lions, I think. Yeah, we saw the good and the bad in that first series with Rashawn Evans coming mm-hmm. in, and he was yeah. wearing number 54, which is what Foye wore last year. And first play, first series, uh, running play, Rashawn Evans comes closing down and just blows up a play early. And then on the mm-hmm. next play, in, in, on, a, on a, the next play or the play after, uh, there's a little dig route, little arrow route from the tight end, and there's nobody within 10 yards of him. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, on the opposite hash, I see Rashawn Evans falling down, you know, uh, in coverage. So I'm like, okay, um, Foyer was a very good coverage linebacker, was very smart, very positionally aware, um, wasn't very big, you know, 220 pounds. But if you're going to be in a base and Rashawn Evans is going to be on there a lot, the middle of the field, especially when there's not great options at safety yet, and frankly, Rush uh, is was not a great option. <laughs> and you were getting gashed in the middle of the field on running plays. Basically, the middle of your defense is a big question mark. Um, yeah. and that, that was a problem for me. Yeah, definitely lacking teeth, uh, on that side of the ball. Um, 
unfortunate. I mean, you look at the roster, you can kind of pick that out, but there were some defensive standouts as well. You mentioned Evacetti. I think he had two pressures in his uh, limited sample size there. And man, he just, <laughs> maybe this is the, uh, what is it? The beauty shop scouting or something, but you look at him, he's like, Oh my God, man, look at that guy's arms. He could probably scratch his feet without bending over and some of the bend and twitch on him. He's a, he's a fun looking football player. And it, the last few seasons watching the Falcons at edge rusher, I mean, it looks like they're a division two team uh, compared to some of the, some of the other squads out there. So a uh, body beautiful advocate. We'll see if it uh, plays uh, continues to play out there, but you're right. The interior defensive line, the safeties, uh, not the best, and some of the depth in the just secondary in general. I can't think of who it was. One of the cor- one of the safeties uh, had a big chance for an interception and just totally mistimed the jump, and it was you know a gimme. Uh, I know who it was, and, and I wanted to talk to you about this because he played with the Denver Broncos last year. Mike Ford had a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and he had played with the De- Detroit Lions. He played last year with the Denver Broncos, but he didn't play much. So I don't know how much of a how much scouting you did on him. Not much. Twenty eight. <laughs> With yes. the with the long dreads out there, it's very mm-hmm. noticeable. Was uh, problematic. He yeah. uh, he did not have uh, a great game. I want to make sure I say hey to Ray. If I hadn't Ray uh, Ray Falcon coming in on Facebook, what's up guys? Welcome in Ray. Appreciate you being here. Um, and uh, and and Terry says, you know, yeah, we were getting gashed by Detroit's ones, but the offense calmed the hailstorm, if you will, and that's 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 a good thing. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you want to be able to have the offense bail the defense out, and vice versa. So, you know, can, can you do that? Okay, so we've got a bad matchup in the middle of this team because they, they've got a good running game. Well, that's okay. We match up pretty well with them on our offense. We'll, we'll match scores with them. This team couldn't do that in the past, and we'll see if they'll be able to do that uh, in the future. Um, you know who the leading receiver yards-wise was for this game, Nick, for the Atlanta Falcons? Was it Hodge? Drake London Drake with his London. one catch for 24 yards. So, you know, there's... There's still going to be some questions now. Drake London is is if he can be, stay healthy. He had health, you know. He he wasn't able to do that at USC. He he banged his knee first game. Looked like a kneecap. Uh, yeah. You're never sure. And my friend and I were texting because he's his knee. He's done his knee so many times it dislocates if he's like walks out in the yard and steps in a hole. So he's always worried about that type of stuff. Um, but you know, Kyle Pitts and Drake London are still going to be pretty good. Uh, pretty good options, but after that, again, there's there's big questions at the wide receiver spot. Um, mm-hmm. I will say the Falcons' running game looked solid. You know, another one of the goods uh, and pass protection from the backs looked good. Yeah. Um, Damian Williams coming out of the backfield, Kadri Allison looked good, and now I'm like, yes, okay, now let me have that same play with Cordero Patterson with the ball in his hands and and see what happens. So. Um, Definitely, definitely good things. Definitely good things there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think overall a pretty solid game from the Falcons. It's really hard to take too much away um, from a preseason game when the uh, teams aren't doing everything, you know, play calling wise. Although this week I, I noticed a fair amount of uh, blitzes called a little bit of a uh, dynamic uh, play calls. You know, a lot of uh, mug linebackers, which. Hello. Uh, a lot of people taking a book out of the uh, or a page out of the Patriots uh, defensive playbook with the uh, the double mugs uh, coming in there. I think it's going to be those. We talked about it on the Broncos shows a lot. The uh, simulated pressures here to stay in the NFL. You're going to see a lot more. Ah, there you go, Scott. Um, but uh, hey, Either man, it's take- pressure or it's not. I'm faking. I'm thinking about faking. The sim- it's just another one of those buzzwords for me. Take- simulated pressure. What the hell is simulated pressure? 
take it up with Kirby Smart, man. He's the uh, he's he's uh, really one of the ones pushing that or banging that drum. A um, couple good coaching clinics. Out I there. know Kirby. I, if he hasn't changed his phone number, I'll call him and say, "What the hell is simulated pressure, man? Either you're is it fake pressure? Because why don't you just say, hey, we're gonna fake like we're gonna blitz. We're gonna, you know, is simulated pressure the old zone blitz? You know, where we bring guys in and we drop the defensive lineman back. You know, why do we need to rename the stuff that's been around for years and years and years? Yeah, bring him up. Bring him on the show. That'd be a good time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Joe Cannon coming on saying Tease Tabor and Mike Ford. Kirby was like a, a graduate assistant at Georgia with Mike Bobo when I had started in recruiting. So I used to talk to those guys all the time until they got too big for me. Then they got too busy. So yeah, I, um, but I'd no, imagine. good, good dude. Kirby Smart is a genuine, couldn't be happier for the success he has had. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of the different body types and whatnot that you need for those different positions, you know, the NFL is going or excuse me, offenses are going positionless football. What's Kyle Pitts? Is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Having that with your defense as well, um, right. more and more to, to counteract that. So um, saw that a lot this week. And how much are we taking from this Falcons win against a Lions team that picked number two overall last year? It's definitely an up and coming uh, Lions team. It's definitely a physical uh, Lions team as well. So I think these are. Good things, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of the same questions uh, still for the Falcons. And we, you can look at the roster and get an idea about that. Uh, the defensive depth, uh, the quality of the defense up the middle didn't really show up very well against the Lions. Lions are built okay there. They're not a really good perimeter passing team, so didn't really get tested there. We'll find out that as the season progresses. The other one that we've banged on a lot that uh, kept I kept my eyes on that was unfortunate was uh, Jalen Mayfield. Uh, struggled again at left guard and gave up like four pressures and 20 snaps or something just not good. And which I, I guess considered should... an improvement. Believe <laughs> uh, yeah, not, uh, not great. I guess the big thing though, that you get from that is uh, you see the offensive line still having some struggles in the pass protection. McGarry is better, but uh, the athleticism of the quarterback position, able to, to dig yourself out of those plays and uh, make something out of nothing, or at least buying time to give yourself something to do. So Jeremy coming in on YouTube saying good morning to know you were forging on Mondays. Wanted to stop in and support the show. Appreciate you stopping in. We will be doing forging the Falcons at 845 Eastern um, every Monday moving forward. So tell your friends, uh, share the stream, like, do all those kind of things. It's a, it's a big help for the show. And uh, plan on doing this as we roll into uh, Broncos for breakfast, which we'll be doing here in about 15 minutes on uh, on Mile High Huddle. So we will be changing. And if you guys want to keep talking football, uh, then, you know, join us over there. And, uh, you know, and Joe says Tease Tabor and Mike Ford were the clear weaknesses on the D. Uh, I'd say Anthony Rush was a little bit of a disappointment for me. Um, looking through my notes, who I was really impressed with, though. Not, I mean, really impressed is a, a little bit of a, an overstatement. But Taquan Graham, uh, big number 95. I thought he was doing a good job of getting some penetration and using his hands really well to dispatch his blocker and be ready to make a play and hold his position. That's a big positive. So Taquan Graham played a lot as a rookie. Probably didn't need to. He just wasn't as bad as Jalen Mayfield. So it's one of those questions like, okay, I got my fifth round pick was a starter. That's good, right? I hit on that draft pick. Well, no, because he wasn't very good. He's played because he had to. He looked just fine. He, he was, I thought, one of the better players on the Falcons defensive line uh, as far as doing his job. Okay, when I've got a 3-4, if I'm playing a 3-4 guy, their job isn't to go and make a ton of plays. It's to set an edge. It's to occupy a couple of blockers. 
is to redirect plays back into the strength of the defense. And I thought Taquan Graham did a really good job from going across that line of the interior guys. Big number 95 was the guy I thought looked the best. Yeah, um, even comparison to Grady Jarrett. So uh, we'll see what that means for the uh, the rest of the defensive line here going forward. And hopefully uh, you start to see some linebacker play here. The issue is it's pretty hard to replicate that. I mean, Troy Anderson injuries coming off that. Are we going to see Deion Jones? I know that Deion Jones has started to become a buzzword in uh, Broncos country as well, um, given the Broncos injuries at the linebacker spot. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, no, Graham stood out for me as well. And uh, you talk about the Falcons defensive line, you know, getting beat up a little bit in the run game. Uh, I thought they looked just as good, if not even slightly better uh, than the Broncos defense against the run uh, up the middle. Um, Broncos didn't play any of their interior defensive line starters, but uh, there's there's stuff to build on there. And I think Graham was actually a, a big positive. You're right. I think a 100% Deion Jones would be an asset to any team, would fit well with uh, the over-the-middle type of coverage that the, that they could use, that the, the Denver Broncos could use, would be a good idea. The problem is, is do you get that 100% guy, and what are you willing to pay for him? And I don't mean yeah. even just a, a, uh, a draft pick. I mean, how much yeah. of that... 15 million base salary and roster bonus are you willing to pick up because I don't think the Falcons would be able to move enough of that to even get any any help now I let me look it up on spot rack again real quick I know the numbers but I know the Falcons are also underneath the cap by a little bit I think by about 11 million dollars but I um let me see total cap all estimated cap space estimated cap space top 51 is 10.7 so I'll use that one if I added up Deion Jones, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Dante Fowler, and the the eleven million dollars they're under, that came out to forty five percent of the Falcons' salary cap. So the Falcons basically aren't using half a team. So you know, as Terry comes in, Terry uh, again, I want to, I just want to keep everything on the uh, keep everybody's expectations to check here they won seven with nothing last year will be better this year i think the falcons could be better and their falcons their the record could be worse mm-hmm. um again you're missing 45 depending on what dion does and is dion even going to be a 20 million dollar player for you and how much is he going to contribute but Deion Jones, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Dante Fowler, and $11 million of unused cap space is 45% of your salary cap right now. That's yeah. almost half of a team you don't have. Man, you know, again, I, I want to. that's why I want to preach patience because I do like what I see out of this staff. I like what I see from Fontenot. I like what I see from Smith. I love Dean Pease, um, but it, it could be it could be a tough year. Very good early returns from the Detroit Lions game. Liked a lot what we saw, uh, but it is. It was one preseason game against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, absolutely. GLP, good to see you, buddy. Um, always great to see Gary Leeds, Palmer. Hi, Nick and Scott. Some support for my favorites. We'll see you on the Broncos channel here in a little bit as well. This is just a nice little appetizer to get the morning going here. Uh, Scott, before we start to you know shift over to the Broncos channel, I want to talk a little bit about the running game. Um, for the Falcons as well. That was something that was a big issue uh, for the Falcons last season. And uh, overall, well, we didn't have any, I didn't, I don't remember any really, you know, super dynamic, you know, Cordell Patterson-esque plays in space. I thought that there was a a decent amount of 
space up front, uh, considering the investments and the, the toughness. You know, we've seen we've seen hard knocks, how crazy uh, uh, the Lions head coach is. Um, I thought the offensive line did pretty well, and as did all the uh, the running backs that took the field. I mean, even just looking at the numbers, the you know what I preach. It's not about volume. It's about efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, you know, uh, Olison running for 6.6 yards a carry. Tyler Algier running for 8.3 yards a carry. Pretty darn good. Damian Williams only three carries for 10 yards. But uh, Olison, five carries for 33 years. Algier, three for 25. Those are those are really good numbers. Um, that's what you want for, if you're going to go by a running back by committee approach. And that was not a that was far from a guarantee. So what do you make of that? Was it the offensive line coming together? Is it the uh, the, the running backs talent that you have the depth? What, what do you think? Those uh, and, and Gary, thanks for coming in with the stars, my yeah. friend. Certainly appreciate your support this morning. Um, I think it was the offensive line was doing a better job. I'd go back and watch those plays several times. And I'm like, okay, I saw a play where uh, one of those runs to the right, Elijah Wilkinson at left guard spun out and was able mm-hmm. to clip uh, a linebacker. Okay, was able to 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 get to the second level and clip a linebacker. I was very happy uh, with him, Caleb McGarry at right tackle was good in the running game and the passing game. Um, Matt Hennessy looked way ahead of Dahlman. Way ahead. To me. He looked way way ahead ahead of Dahlman to me. Uh, Lindstrom solid. No questions there. So I think you've got a very good – I thought for me it was the offensive line looked better. Uh, The threat of the running quarterback was 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 something. And then you had basically two upgrades on the OL, three upgrades on the OL because Hennessy looked better. Wilkinson was a big improvement on Mayfield and Caleb McGarry looked like a different guy. Uh, So all of those things helped combine. Um, Kyle Pitts, when he was in there, I was watching him dispatch linebackers. Forget, you didn't have to put them on their back, but if he's in the way, they can't get around him. You know, I mean, he's, he's a Spider-Man out there. He's huge. He's a pterodactyl out there. You know, he, he's so long and strong. As soon as he got his hands on somebody, he was neutralizing a second-level linebacker. So much better blocking all around where, except when Hutchison made Jake Matthews whiff completely, the Falcons running backs weren't having to break a tackle three yards behind the line of scrimmage. That makes for better running backs. Yep. And uh, I was curious your thoughts if it was as much the offensive line or if it was a structural thing with the – obviously, Matt Ryan is a better – quarterback than probably what you're going to have this year, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a worse fit for the offense. Right. And having a quarterback who is a running threat means that that backside uh, edge rusher has to play with more discipline. He can't just crash because, you know, Oh, are we worried about Matt Ryan, you know, sneaking out the backside and running for 20 yards? No. Uh, so now you have Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota in theory, there should be more space. Um, and your offensive lineman's job should be slightly easier in the run game uh, specifically. Because you know, one of the things we talked about, you know, the old RPO word is we saw what I generally think of RPO, um, which was the bootlegs, yeah. you know, the, the run pass option where the quarterback has the run pass option. Obviously, that <clears throat> that's not all that it means, but that's generally what I think of when I hear RPO, uh, a bootleg where he's got the ability. And Matt Ryan was very good on the bootleg mm-hmm. as far as uh, hitting the different levels with accuracy. But if he was left alone, he's getting six, eight yards maybe, whereas these guys are getting 30, 40 yards if you're if you're not careful because they're going to outrun most linebackers. So if yep. you've got them covered with an inside linebacker, uh, you're on the near hash mark and you're going to the far side of the field. They're, they're never going to catch him. Meanwhile, I got 
you know, my other side's running verticals or post routes and dragging that side open. It's going to change things. It is. Mm-hmm. It's going to let Arthur Smith be much more creative. And uh, it should be it should be more fun. I think the team should attack more on defense, attack more on offense. Same things we said about the, the, the Denver Broncos. Um, it should be a more fun game to watch, even if the Falcons are coming up short several times. Again, they're, they're going to be outmatched. They're going to be outmanned, man for man, in most of the games they play. They got half a roster. Yep. That'll change. That will change. Yep. And uh, again, we get Broncos coming up here pretty soon. But the final thing I want to touch on here, uh, the rookies. I thought Drake London, you know, only one target, but uh, looks good out there. Uh, man, he looks different than the uh, other Falcons wide receivers, even the ones compared to last year. It looked nice to have a little bit of, uh, you know, that's obviously a lottery player out there in comparison to what you've had. Uh, so that was good. But also Desmond Ritter um, let down a little bit uh, by the wide receiver depth in the Falcons. I think I counted four or five drops mm-hmm. um out there but uh, really it's the didn't look too big for him um did not look like he sped up the footwork still has a little bit of work uh, for some consistency and the accuracy uh what was he 10 for 22 isn't great but uh, hit some big time throws and also the the threat of the legs i mean he he never looks like he's in a a hurry or anything like that he's calm and uh, collected but when he needs to scoot man he can move it as well and decent arm zip as well uh, i was i was thoroughly impressed with his first play our first game. Yeah, I was too. Lots of good, lots of good takeaways on this. And on this takeaway, I think we're going to uh, to get out of here. And, and Nick and I are going to head over to Mile High Huddle and do a Broncos for breakfast, where Denver Broncos fans are also very excited about what they were able to see with uh, with their quarterback play and their yeah. new coaching staff. And, and Terry comes in, he says, seven drops. That's obviously too many. Uh, we saw, I think, PFF rank the Falcons wide receiver room, you know, bottom five. Uh, that's not a big surprise. They got an, un- an unproven rookie and, uh, you know, and journeyman. So that will change. Mm-hmm. That will change. Um, on that note, we will be back on Wednesday, Wednesday morning at nine at our usual time. But from here on out, we are Mondays and Wednesdays. Want to thank you for being here. Um, Nick, any last words? What are you looking for? I'm, I'm glad that Drake London injury doesn't seem, seem too bad. Uh, I said, you know, out probably won't play the rest of preseason. I think they probably got enough of a scare, but would probably be listed as day to day. If this was during the season. I think the big one for me is just getting all the Desmond Ritter snaps. I can, because your big question this off season is probably going to be where do we go at the quarterback position? If you're drafting in the top, you know, five ten, and you have a chance at a lottery ticket quarterback, or do you rather get, you know, the more, I guess less of a dice roll player, but more of a blue chip, uh, like edge rusher, cornerback, uh, defensive look tackle, maybe something like that, that could uh, help that team a good bit. Another wide receiver. Um, so it's really, it's really the Desmond Ritter uh, show for me. That's uh, going to be what I'm looking for most of the preseason. And if you show him enough and still decide you want to go in a different direction, you get, you want a, a quarterback in the draft, you you've showcased enough. You can probably upgrade that pick that you used. He should be worth at least a second, yeah. you know, that you, if you decided to move on from him, either way that he played well was, was a positive on that note. We are going to get out of here. Appreciate you being here. We will see you Wednesday morning for another episode of Forging the Falcons. And until then, we will see you next time.